This show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Vault dwellers, wastelanders, and other people of the Fallout time and place. Welcome to the Fallout cast. I, I was like, I'm going to come up with another name for other. There's got to be other people than just wastelanders and vault dwellers, right? City people. I don't know. Raiders. Anyway, Raiders. Ah, there you go. See, I could have I could have come up with that, but I didn't. Uh, welcome back to the Fall Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or Robots, and I'm back with Lainey or Neos Pandora. How's it going, Lainey? Hello. Hello. It's going good. How are you? Good. I'm um, suffering from a cold. So if I'm not oh, making no. any sense, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, though, I decided I, I have to tough through this because this is our patron episode and we've got some really cool people that we need to talk with. And I can, you know, I'll just sound a little funny and be a little bit cloudy in my head. But hey, you know, I'll just tell you what, I'll shut up and I'll let everyone else do the talking and then we'll have an even better show. Imagine that. So, um, so let's go through. Whoa, oh, no. A new subscriber. My, my audio was very high. Thank you for the new subscription. Whoever dropped that subscription in. Um, oh, MK, MK Gamer, uh, MK10 Gamer. Thank you for resubscribing. But here, let's go through. We're going to announce some of our patrons who were able to join us this week. We have Katamari Junkie. By the way, Katamari Junkie, I absolutely love Katamari Damacy and the other Katamari games. They're phenomenal. Um, but it's welcome, definitely a favorite. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. This is your first time on. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. And then we also have another brand new friend, um, Stagger. Welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, reporting live once again from my boiler room. Once again, Stagger and Stumble. Yeah, he joined us the other night. We had um, we had uh, some other lore casts, and um, you've been supporting a few of the shows. So thank you so much for that. And then Nighttime Smith is back as well. Nighttime. I hear you had a kind of a rough day. I hope things are getting better for you. Yeah, I'm alert, just uh, kind of a bit sleepy, but I'm ready for the podcast. So let's roll. Let's roll. Yeah. And we have a an interesting topic this week. We're talking about some of the most difficult moral dilemmas that we've had to deal with in the Fallout games. And this is, I mean, this is a hotbed, right? Like there's, these games are not without moral dilemmas, but the point here is to talk about the ones that hit us the hardest, the ones that were the most difficult for us to have to make decisions or the, the things that we did in game and then later, later, you know, decided, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done that or regretted it or maybe regretted it in the moment. You know, there's lots of different ways this can play out. So I'm just going to open this up. Who wants to chime in? Who has kind of a thing that comes to mind first when you guys are thinking about moral dilemmas? Anybody like to go go first? I, I can. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Katamari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it actually was a, a mission I just played recently. I just kind of got back into Fallout 4 um, and I downloaded the DLC. I wanted to see what it had to offer. And I started doing the Far Harbor quests. Okay. Um, I got kind of like all the way towards the end. I thought I had an idea of how I wanted it to go. Like they they pitch you against kind of the the harbor the um 
the the cultists of Adam, the mm-hmm. cult of Adam, children of Adam, children, children of, Adam. of Adam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, I, I got what you were saying Adam, though. Yeah, <laughs> and Acadia, which is all the sense. And you know, I thought I had it all. Like I wanted, like I didn't want the children of uh, of Adam. I hated those people. So I was like, they have to go. And that was like my first decision. And it came down to finding out information about Dima of what he did to a resident of Far Harbor. And I was like, no, you need to come clean. You need to tell people this. And I felt that was making the moral right choice. Uh-huh. Right up until I followed that through to the entirety of Acadia being raided. And I was very upset by that. Yeah. Well, you can't I, always, like, you can't always tell what your decisions uh, are going to result. I in. wanted so bad for it to work out. I was like, I'm going to save Acadia. I'm going to save Far Harbor and I'm going to be morally good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's, was one of the worst decisions. That's an interesting dilemma. The idea that like in uh, like micro versus macro um, morality, right? Like you were, yeah. you were thinking on a micro level, like this is the right thing for you to do in this situation, which is, is totally fair. You know, like yeah. own up for it, like be, be honest, you know, and then the long-term result of that is something that you couldn't have predicted, but resulted in something way more, terrible than just the thing that you were dealing with on the micro level right oh yes exactly and i, I you know I, I was pining over that thought for like five to ten minutes before i even chose to have him do that and then you know i had nick with me and nick's like yeah i like that response and i'm like yeah i'm on the right path yeah nick's a good guy he's got <laughs> okay he's got my back on this this we can't go wrong we're good yeah no <laughs> Fourth way I wanted, so it was like one of those moral dilemmas in the moment, and I just got lost in it, and it just steamrolled me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys? Um, this raises a thought in my head. Have you ever had one of those moments in in one of these games where something happens, and and for me, usually I'm playing on my my keyboard and my mouse on my computer, but you could do the same thing on a console where you like. For, uh, for the, the the computer situation would be you're playing and then all of a sudden the thing happens and you just kind of back away from the desk for a moment and you just kind of let the realization of what happened or the feelings kind of wash over you and you're like oh <laughs> the equivalent on the on the couch with the controller would be like you just kind of drop the controller on your lap and you just sit back and go ah oh. Did I, did that really just happen? <laughs> like, Oh, have you ever felt I that did. way? That is yeah. exactly what I did in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Nighttime. I think it was, uh, it wasn't a moral dilemma, but it was like, I was uh, helping covenant against their first, uh, raider attack. And, uh, one of the named characters stuck his head out in front of the gate to shoot around the corner. And I just see his head explode and I go, <laughs> Oh, I thought he was an essential character. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay this and then there was so, missiles and stuff flying around i'm like all right this is serious <laughs> he's not an essential character huh all right i guess the the exploding head seems to have uh filled that in for me <laughs> nice okay who else wants to go who, who else has a moral dilemma or a situation you later regretted i thought of something yeah yeah go for it stagger all right uh, yeah, I just thought of this because I I am completely unprepared. I found out about the topic like two hours ago. <laughs> um, so I a little bit ago I started a I call it my semi pacifist playthrough of Fallout One. 
Mm-hmm. I don't have the time or patience to try and like hundred percent run through the game without like c- killing anybody. But I like generally run with like the Albert char- charisma, like character archetype and kind of take my time to really think about everything I do mm-hmm. before I do it and try and like resolve every situation diplomatically or nonviolently. And, uh, Spoiler warning, in Fallout 1 in Junktown, I believe there's a doctor named Doc Morbid. Um, you can go okay. in the basement and you find uh, his like demented, uh, disabled dwarf assistant who's like chopping up body parts and packaging them to ship to a man named Iguana Bob and uh, what, what is it? Iguana Bob. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> the hub. Um, He's sent up to the hub. Yes, the hub. Thank you. Uh, anyways, so I thought about it and I talked to the guy in the basement, went back upstairs and, uh, I ended up killing the doctor, but at the same time I was like, hopefully trying to resolve it nonviolently. It didn't work out like that, but because I I wasn't sure if I I should kill the town's only doctor, I I, like, I was trying to, trying to consider the implication of like, yeah. He's selling human meat, but there's nothing to indicate that he's obtaining it in like a non-ethical way. There is an interaction where you can sell him your eye. So which kind of might imply that like he's buying body parts from people and using dead body parts. It's a small town with like a really small population. So if he was just snatching people up off the street, I assume they would have figured something out a little sooner. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to last very long. If that's the case. I, I was, I was thinking, yeah, like what, what are the implications of killing the town's only medical professional? Plus, uh, there's in-game lore that points to the fact that he trains other doctors in the wasteland. I think it's Razlo and uh, Shady Sands says he was trained by Morbid as well. Okay, so, yeah, I'd, I'd have to brush up on this stuff. This is stuff I haven't thought about in a long time. Um, this That's an interesting dilemma. This idea that, like, in a desperate situation, a person who acts morally in some ways and is beneficial and, and probably a necessity to a specific group of people who like is their only source for medical you know anything um and if he's not hurting those people like if he's if he's just gathering body parts in other ways then is that i mean it's dark but is the greater good to allow him to survive like what's the greater good and if you even if he is acquiring body parts from people selling them to him I mean, it seems like there's a marketplace for that, you know, like maybe some people are okay with that. Maybe, maybe extreme situations make for extreme justifications, especially when he might be keeping certain people alive who would otherwise die without his medical assistance. You know, um, that's a tough, that's a tough question. What do you guys think about that? Um, I mean, sometimes there, there's definitely some parts of me that I'd be willing to sell. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, like in a desperate situation, uh, for example, like you can get by with one, uh, kidney, right. And many people will donate a kidney to somebody in need. Well, what if there's a middleman? What if a doctor knows of somebody in need and is willing to spend money or a kidney so he's willing to pay you for your kidney right like is that shadier or are you still ultimately just donating a kidney but you're making a little bit of money off of it but in this case they eat your kidney 
Right. Right. But people need food. Food isn't always available. Like it's it's definitely closer to the that sounds icky. I don't think we should do it kind of round. But does that mean that you should kill the doctor? If you were to yeah, stagger. If you were to go back and play this again, would you make the same decision? Uh, uh, he attacked me first, but if I (laughs) well, had had he not attacked you, like just just um, from like an objective stand, like moral standpoint, like do you think that it's is right to remove him from the situation to kill him because of the the seemingly dark, terrible things he's doing, or do you think that ultimately there's a greater good there to keep him around to still help other people? who have medical needs. Honestly, like you just for, I don't know, the stability of the town and like, this is fallout one to like yeah. fairly soon after the war, like people are devastated. Yeah. Like just starting to rebuild society. And especially from the perspective of my fallout one character who's like somewhat educated and like has a, had more time to like consider ethical moral implications than the people like subsistence living in fallout have had time to right. Probably would let the doctor live just so I, cause I don't want to kill the whole town. Right. Right. Yeah. That's tricky. That's tricky. I wonder if there's more information that you can find out that would uh, give you a more clear understanding of where he's getting body parts from and yeah, what kind of harm. Yeah. What, what kind of harm that's causing, you know, cause that would help you decide a little bit easier, but still a tough decision yeah it's 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 like the the question of like raiders you know like our our raiders raiders do lots of terrible things but they also are surviving in a terrible situation are they sometimes justified in that never never justified katamari (laughs) no no no, I don't think so. Like if you're, if you're going through and you're like hurting other people just for the sake of your own survival, when you have the choice to work with them, no, there, there's nothing good about that. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that, that seems pretty clear, but you know, the difficult times, difficult situations, and also a long history of conflict can often force your hand. Like maybe you no longer have the ability to work things out with other people. This is one of those um, uh, story tropes that comes up in both uh, post-apocalyptic stories like The Walking Dead or something like that. You know, like just just because you as an individual don't have any beef with somebody else doesn't mean that you aren't part of the larger organization that has a longer, older history than you, that you are now carrying forth their reputation. So, for example... Let's say you become you, let's say you're raised as part of a raider group, right? The theoretical situation, you're raised as part of a raider group. You grow up knowing that this is just, this is the way life is. This is, you assume that this is, this is what's right. This is what your parents have taught you. You're not one of the worst raider groups, but you steal from other people. You, you know, you're, you do some bad things. You get to the point where you become the leader of this group, right? And now you know that there are some local towns. And you decide that you're going to try to make peace with them. Like that's the right thing to do, but it may not be possible because the people will not trust you at that point. And in that situation, do you then go on raiding them or do you, I mean, you can't just give up. You have a lot of people who are depending on you for their own livelihood. So in that sense, keeping them alive is a morally good thing. 
You can't just let them all die. Nah. What <laughs> if you just step down as leader and let somebody else step up? But then, then you know, but, but then you know, well, yeah, but then you would know that the group would continue doing bad things. If you maintain leadership and still keep doing those bad things, maybe you can slowly over time change the reputation of the group, but you know that it's going to take a decade of of working back from the, you know, the edge of the abyss in a sense, which means doing things that you think are immoral, but less and less immoral over time in order to gradually shift the, the reputation of the group or doing things against the enemies of somebody who used to be your enemy in order to prove to them that you are now their friend. But now, but you still have to do immoral things against their enemy. You see the dilemma here? Yeah, you definitely yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. You guys both um, go ahead. Katamari and then stagger. I just say, I am starting to see your, your side here. That, that is a, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty I'm just, moral. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm, I'm just showing yeah. that there's not always an easy choice, right? Like we can, we can sit back and say, Oh yeah. If I became the leader of a raider group, I'd stop the raiding. We'd start farming. We'd start working with the communities around us. Like that's great. That's all well and good. And any nation on this planet, could have a leader who wants to do that, but you are, you are create, you are having to deal with a situation that is in many, in many places, thousands of years older than you are, you know, with the, with the United States, at least hundreds of years older than, than you are. Um, Stagger, what were you going to say? I mean, I was just going to make a quip about how I can definitely tell you of a background in philosophy, <laughs> but, uh, back on the Raider thing, it's so hard to like, I don't know. There, it's like uh, back in the radio thing. Like people are byproducts of their environment in a lot of situations. Yeah, yeah. you have to acknowledge that. But at the same time, like there's still personal accountability. If you're a cognizant human being, like you understand that it's probably wrong to rob people and kill them. Sure. Like it, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Uh, you. It often takes um, people who grow up in difficult situations like that well into adulthood before they actually have the means and the ability to understand the situation they're in, understand what they have uh, agency over in order to make different choices and how to remove themselves from the situation that they grew up in. Usually takes well into adulthood for that. Um, and, And that's why having other people around you to help with that is important. And in a post apocalyptic setting, you're not gonna have much of that support you're going to be off on your own. It's going to be the rare individual who's able to really push themselves through that in order to make a change and, and do something different. That's just my perspective on it. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts. Nighttime, do you have any thoughts on any of this? Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. It's okay. That's okay. I might come back later. Yeah. Uh, Macaulay in chat says, could the Raiders as a group move somewhere else and just claim that they are not Raiders and possibly start over that way? Potentially, uh, that's assuming that they know where to go and that there's going to be resources there. Um, but they could also travel somewhere else and find it is, uh, you know, extremely irradiated and desolate and will not grow food and then just all starve to death. So, yeah, there's risks involved with that as well. Or there's other more dangerous things there that are going to kill them. I think they might have to work on their skill set, which is they're probably not farmers. They're probably not tradesmen. They're probably mostly killers. So they might, um, you know, 
try to become a private army or mercenaries. Yeah, yeah, to travel to a place. Yeah, yeah, to to travel to a, a place where people don't know them. You know, far enough away from the local settlements to find other settlements, and then be hired out as you know for mercenary work could potentially be a thing. But even then, isn't mercenary work typically morally gray? Yeah, it's it's pretty gray. Um, it's like when uh, what was it? Kellogg got hired on by at that tavern when you go through his life and the people that were hiring him wanted him to kill a family that was uh, on land that these people didn't want them on. Right, right. Yeah, you don't get to make the decisions if you're being hired by somebody. I mean, you can always decide to turn down the job, but then you might be looking for, you know, work at all. You may not be getting any work at that point. So oftentimes in a situation, especially as desperate as, you know, the wasteland, that might mean not eating for a while, not having a place to live. Um, so, you know, sometimes you feel caught in that situation as well. So let's, uh, let's open this up a little bit more. Um, nighttime, do you have a situation that you can recall being a particularly difficult moral situation? Um, probably the one that stood out to me most through most of the games was in fallout new Vegas. When you go to the sharecroppers farm and you just start talking around talking to people. And I think it's the Trent Bascom is the character's name. And he tells you that he's not getting enough water and that, uh, the logs say that they're supposed to be getting enough water. And the NCR Lieutenant says that they're getting enough water, but he says that they're not getting enough water. Hmm. Um, and then you start asking questions and it's like, he goes, Oh, well, you know, that's who corporal white said, you know, a few days ago. And, you know, I don't really care for it because, you know, I don't have time to chase up these wild, these wild theories. And so you start asking more questions and you end up going to the NCR base. And apparently this guy's been missing for like a few weeks or something and they don't know where he is. He's a wall. And, you know, you end up going and finding out that one of the followers of the apocalypse, um, uh, that was in free that, that is in West side, I believe, mm-hmm. um, was stealing water from the Northern cistern in order to pipe it into uh, west side so that they could grow more food and the, that corporal had found out. And so I forget the, uh, legion, the, not the legion, but the follower of the apocalypse had killed him and made it look like he got killed out in the, uh, the street, but he did this in order. So people on west side could have the water to drink. And then your decision is in this quest is to mm. turn him in either by telling him what happened and then making sure that nobody and Westside has enough water to grow their own food or uh, you let him turn himself in thereby protecting the water resources for the West side, or you can just kill him and then just tell people that the, the case had a dead end. Right. So what did you go with? Um, I had the follower of the apocalypse turn himself in. Okay. I thought that would have been the best option because that way people could still get enough water and, uh, mm-hmm. The, the case would have been closed and then the family wouldn't have to deal with the fact that their you know, son all of a sudden went missing. Right. Right. And, and that would be the right thing to do. You know, he got caught. He should turn himself in. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, did you feel like it worked out the way you expected it to? 
Yeah, I didn't think it worked out too too bad. I mean, it was a pretty easy quest, but I mean, it's the moral dilemma of how desperate people are out there just for as, you know, for, for a simple resource as water that they need a lot of it just to grow their own food so they could even be um, self-sufficient because they're living out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's a very big, <laughs> a very big thing to have to, uh, to deal with. Um, that makes sense. And then... There's another quest that's associated with it somewhat. If you talk to another woman at the sharecropper farm, mm -hmm. she says there's something wrong with the water that they're getting. And uh, so you get a quest marker and you find a resource. Uh, I think it's the, the Western pump station. You go to that and it tells you uh, to investigate for a, uh, a radiation leak. And so you end up going to vault 34 and when you get into vault 34 you realize that the reactor had been compromised and you have to make a decision do i save the three or four people that are uh trying to survive at the bottom of the vault or do you flood that room and prevent the reactor from leaching that that radioactive waste into the groundwater thereby contaminating most of the fresh water supply for new vegas right yeah <laughs> that's a hard one too <laughs> what do you guys think about that one i want to open this up to everybody you guys have any thoughts on this? Lainey, do you have any thoughts? You've been quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, in this case, I feel like contaminating an entire area is much more dangerous. And so to me, it feels like, oh, well, you know, sacrifice less people for what could possibly be way worse for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but you also have to deal with knowing that you killed those people <laughs> you know you aren't killing people with the radiation and intentionally you know like that's that's happening but you can separate yourself from it but you can't really separate yourself from deciding to drown people <laughs> mm -hmm. too bad we can't all be like dima and just leave our memories scattered in somewhere else <laughs> right yeah I've definitely left a few in some places. <laughs> they just disconnect every so often. Um, well, cool. These are these are some good ones. Um, tell you what, guys, we got to go to the middle of the show so I can thank you guys and everyone else for helping to support the show. Uh, but then we'll be back on the second half. And I've I've got some. Uh, you guys are welcome to bring up some other moral issues that you feel are difficult. But I also thought with this topic, it would be fun to kind of pitch some typical like moral and ethical dilemmas to you guys the kinds of things that were like influential for these writers when they came up and see what where you guys side with some of this stuff how's that sound sound like a fun idea all right cool that sounds great yes all right so we'll be back in just a minute hang tight hello there old chap good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve all right, here we are in the middle of the show, and thank you to all of our patrons, especially, and I've got to call out the extra special ones here, our tier six patron, Liberty Pie Man. Pie Man, thank you so much. He says he's never going to give up this slot. There's only one, which means that if, if he holds on to this forever, nobody else will ever be a tier six patron ever again. It's just going to be Liberty Pie Man from now until forever. And that's totally fine. I appreciate the support, Liberty Pie Man. You've been an awesome supporter of the show for a long time, and I really do appreciate it. And then also our tier five patrons get a call out every week. So that's Devin A and Stagger and Stumble, who's with us tonight. So thank you so much. You guys, you guys are awesome. And everyone else is awesome. All 48 of you, holy moly, 48 patrons. You guys, you are what let me and Lainey do this and make this part of what actually pays for our living, which is 
amazing. It's like one of those things that I was hoping at some point in my life to be able to achieve. And because of you guys, you help make it possible. So thank you so much for that. Um, if you're interested in joining us on a future episode of the show, then you can go to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and check out the different tiers. Anybody who signs up at a tier four or higher can join us every month on this on this conversation. There's a bunch of other things you can get at the different tiers. And if we've ever helped get you through your work days or your commutes or even just kind of made the world a little bit of a better place for you, then, eh, you know, maybe consider helping helping us out a little bit. We would really appreciate it. And even more so, I'd love to have you guys come join us so we can we can chat with you and get to know you personally. So thank you to everybody. You guys are amazing. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right, so moral dilemmas. You guys want to dive into some of these? Yes. Here's one that we can start out with just off the top of my head because I wanted to pull up some really interesting interesting ones. Um, so there's this one's typical. It's the um, train car dilemma. And some of you guys have probably heard this. So there's a train car hauling down the tracks. It's going really fast, it's going so fast it can't stop. It's dark. It can't see in front of itself. And you are just happen to be standing right at the place with a little little lever. And you can decide if it's going to go on track A or track B and it splits. And by default, it's set up to go on track A. And you look ahead on track A and you see a person standing on the track. And you call out to them, but they can't hear you. They're not getting off the track. And you know, if you do not change the direction that this train is going, that they are going to become a smush puddle on the train tracks. Right? But then you look on track B and there's four people on track B and they can't hear you either. Do you change which direction the train tracks go? Now, chances are most of you guys are going to say no. Would you agree with that? I would definitely not change it. Right, because it's one person versus four people. And if someone's going to die, one person is less deaths than four people. And you didn't cause the train. You're only there to potentially help them, right? You, it, it's only one person versus four people. This is where the dilemma gets tricky. What if that one person is your mom? So notice the jump here is let's let's deposit into this person personal value. So now they're not just random strangers. The train either runs over your mother or runs over four strangers. What would you do? Eh, my mom is getting old anyway. My <laughs> <You>, mom. <laughs> you would just let her run over your mom. You know. Lisa's mom. <laughs> or what if it's your what if it's your your best friend? Or what if it's your your kid? Or you know, like anybody who like what if it's the person you ha you care the most for in the world? Okay, it was my son. Uh, no, four people would die. <laughs> right. Like this is this is an interesting dilemma. What do, what do the rest of you guys think? If it's my family or the people I care about then yeah, that's always going to take precedence before strangers, like maybe not the healthiest mentality to have, or, but it's just how I am. But I think most people would decide with that because it affects you personally. Right. And you know that that person you're going to save is like, in most cases, you're going to be like, Oh, that's a good person. That's somebody I care about. I think they're a good person. I don't know those strangers. And even though there's four of them, I'm going to save the person I know, especially if they're a good person that I care about, as opposed to four strangers. 
But ultimately, the the other argument, the other side of that is, but that's four people versus one person. They might be, they're somebody else's mom, son, daughter, whatever, best friend. Like, could you bring yourself to let sacrifice your the person you care about for the well-being of four strangers? No, because I'd have to live with the loss of the person that I care about every single day. I'd wake up thinking about them, go to bed thinking about them. No, those four people have to die. Mm -hmm. Lainey, what do you think about this? I mean, I guess I would kill the four people. Not, I mean, it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's a tough decision on purpose. But, like, you're not going to be happy right. about it either way. No, obviously, right. yeah. If you have empathy, <laughs> if you are a, a, a moral, <laughs> em, em, empathic person, you know, like if you're sympathetic towards the needs of others and, and that kind of thing, right? But um, so here's now let's let's raise this in. This is a way. This is a twist that a lot of people don't put it put it put this on. Take that situation, move yourself out of the situation and put the person who has the ability to change the tracks. That's now Superman. And Lois Lane is on the on the on the train tracks or four other people. What would Superman do? He stop would the stop train. the train. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, sure, but pretend that he can't stop the train for, for you know, the train. It is a you know, it is a kryptonite train. He can't stop the train. He can only redirect it. What does he do? Ooh. Well, I guess Lo Lois Lane's going to live. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Everything. I, I don't think Superman would. I think Superman would go for the four over one. Right. Because a superhero sacrifices for the well-being of everyone else. Like that. That's the thing we learn. Right. In in the movies, the superhero or in the comic books or whatever, the real hero is willing to sacrifice even even to their own death many times for the well-being of everyone else and yet when we're in that situation we act like the villain isn't that weird the villain is the one who makes the decision about the thing they care about to the detriment of the majority and we justify that but when we posit that that person is a superhero most people would say they sacrifice lois lane and save the four other people well, I don't claim to be morally good. I claim to be chaotic <laughs> neutral. That is where I am, and that is where I always stay. Right, right. But it's just an it's an interesting thought process, though, right? Because when it's personal, our decisions are different. When it's objective, when it's out there somewhere, then we see things in in a different way, right? We like to hold other people to standards that we ourselves do not want to hold ourselves to. And it is a very human thing. I'm not saying this is right or wrong with a capital R or a capital W. I'm just saying like, like which thing is it? And, and th that's what makes it so novel is that when we see people make moral decisions that are sacrificial for the greater good, it stands out so much because it's so rare. It's against the thing that we know is the thing that is most likely to happen. And that's why those people stand out as heroes. And usually we see it in, in an example of, you know, sacrificing yourself for the greater good, you know, like a like a war hero, somebody who's willing to, um, you know, storm the beaches of Normandy in order to make sure that the Nazis don't take over the world so that, you know, we can have freedom and democracy and all that. Right. That's a war hero. They're willing to sacrifice their own life for the greater good. 
but you put in a, in a more likely situation that you're like sacrificing the life of somebody you care about and all of a sudden it becomes more difficult. You guys have any, I, I don't want to be on a soapbox on this. I just, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this too. Like, do you have I got, um, like Asimov's three laws, like that's a, that's a dilemma that's talked about a lot. Whereas if an AI, and this is what they're trying to figure out with self driving, uh, self-driving cars is, what does it choose to do? Does the car avoid hitting a group of several people in order to hit one person? Um, how do we train a, uh, a computer software or an AI to make the right decision? Mm-hmm. Try and trying to input whatever that moral, the moral fabric that we might have as humans into a machine. That's, that's something that I think we're going to have a very hard time trying to quantify. Yeah. That's why this stuff is always difficult because it's not, there's no clear answer. There's always a way to justify it one way or the other, depending on the things that you value more. Lainey, Lainey wants to chime in. Lainey? I was actually reading about this the other day. The other thing with the self-driving cars, right, is what if the dilemma is between saving other people, like hitting another car or saving the person in the car, Right how do you decide that, right? Is the job of the car to protect the person driving it at all costs? Mm-hmm. Or is the job of the car to keep more people safe? <laughs> right, right. Right, yeah. So there's there's a lot with self-driving cars. That's that's a good example. That is a good example. Um, so here's here's another one. I'll throw this out there. This one's called Hit and Run. Late uh, one night, you are driving home in a bad rainstorm. A drunk reels out in front of your car and you try to stop, but you hit him. Nobody sees you. The guy looks and smells as if he's homeless. You check to see how badly he is hurt and realize he is dead. You have never even had a speeding ticket and are an upright professional with a family and a well-known and respected or well-known and respected in your community. Do you make a report anonymously, confess your crime, or drive home and forget about it, knowing no one is going to pursue the death of a homeless drunk? So this is a situation in which it's it's like a tree falling in a forest. Did it actually happen? Right? You know for a fact. If you were to walk away from the situation, you would be the only person who would ever know that it happened. Do you walk away? Do you report it anonymously? Or do you actually own up to it? Oh, I'd be gone. I'd be gone in a heartbeat. Bye-bye. <laughs> Lainey? I would... I mean, if there's an option to report it anonymously, I think that's what I would do. Because obviously in that scenario, you don't want to be caught for it. (laughs) But I would feel so terrible if I knew that that body was just out there. Because you don't know, right? You don't know who that person knows. Or maybe they do have a family, right? And like maybe maybe it is tragic for them to disappear. You have no idea. Right. And just because they look and smell homeless doesn't mean that they are. They are. (laughs) You know, like you're just making assumptions based on, you know, the wrapper the person is in. Maybe they, I mean, who knows? Maybe they were on a camping trip and got lost in the woods. Yeah, that would look and smell like a homeless person, <laughs> you know, like. I would just call 911 and wait kind of anonymously or be there. No, be <laughs> there. Together. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens when they're like, oh, did you did you run into him or was he like this? Um, well, I mean, I'd say I'd like to like to discuss this with my lawyer first but <laughs> right <laughs> i would say obviously i think from the from what you've you've discussed is that you're really not at fault if it's a dark road and there's heavy rain and you don't have enough time to stop i mean more than likely you're not going to get 
you know, put in jail for life. If you do leave the scene and they catch you, like that happens with a lot of hit and runs where you leave some type of identifying evidence, uh, that that was you then now that's criminal. Now that's a crime. That's a crime. When, uh, when before it was just accidental. I mean, I will say my answer was based on the fact that I would never get caught. If I thought (laughs) in real life, there was a chance that I would get caught. I'd be finding a way to report that, but otherwise I don't want to be related to that. (laughs) Yeah. Stagger. Uh, so in this scenario, am I, am I like me or am I this, uh, upstanding citizen <laughs> yeah, you're the person in this in the scenario you you like in this situation let's say you're you're 25 years old never had a ticket never never been arrested for anything like straight a student always gone by the books you know just always always try to do things right you're a goody two-shoes I mean, if i was a goody two-shoes i'd probably report it i guess uh yeah but this is the most serious thing you've ever dealt with you've never had to make a serious decision like this before because you've never been in a situation like this honestly then the like implied naivety that i would have in the situation (laughs) would probably just lead to me calling the police and freaking (laughs) out (laughs) okay okay um (laughs) yeah i feel like i feel like in real life that's probably what i would do too Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not going to be more dead or less dead, depending on your choice. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's another one. This one's this one's pretty dark. So you have worked years to be successful in your father's business. You felt you were obligated to take over as he worked his whole life to build the business left to him by his father. However, the large businesses in town have seriously cut into profits. And for several years, you and your family have just managed to scrape by. Your father's health has declined and he has been hospitalized. He has a substantial life insurance policy that expires at midnight. If he dies before midnight, you will inherit enough money to pursue a career you have always dreamed of and provide adequately for your family. Do you pinch the oxygen line, making it possible for your father to die or smother him with a pillow? Talk your dad, uh, tell your dad the problem and let him suggest a solution and go by what he says or do nothing as you cannot imagine living with yourself. If you terminated your dad's life, this is dark. This is the, this is a kind of a, like a fallout d- dilemma, just not in fallout situation. What if he's, Oh, I don't want to be constructivist, but I guess I would pick option two. tell you to have the problem and just see, yeah. see if he comes up. With, like, I, you know, in that situation, he may just say, you know what? I'm on my way out anyway. Let me go. Cause he might be willing to sacrifice himself for your well being. And in that case, it's a different moral situation. It's another for you to make the decision for him, right? Yeah. So you're my dad. <laughs> what would you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably kill myself for you. That's probably what I would do. <laughs> because then you wouldn't have to live with but you'd probably still feel bad about it. But like if I knew I was on my way out and I wasn't gonna survive, I'd you know, and this would set you up and you'd be okay. Wow. Yeah, I'd probably, a real I'd probably, life superhero. I'd probably take that decision out of your hands so you don't have to feel bad about it, which would probably still make you feel bad about it. But yeah, that's probably the best situation. <laughs> that's probably the best scenario I could picture, especially if I'm on my way out anyway. If it's like, well, I might live another month. Eh. But let's say, you know, you're, you have cancer or you have some type of really debilitating illness, you know? Yeah. If I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, that, that becomes more difficult. You know, um, if I feel like I can still, 
contribute to the well-being of, of my family, um, even though I'm sick, then I might, you know, want to survive in order to see if I can get through this. Um, you know, this shades, it's shades of gray though, right? I feel like this whole um, process is, is just to show off how terrible the human I am because <laughs> I would be pinching that line. Yeah. yeah you would just be like, nope. I'd be like, it's time. <laughs> It's time. I'm sorry. Now, do you think you could live with yourself with that? Like what kind of some people and, and, and this is uh, this is and again, feel free to answer however you want. Some people um, this would eat at them. This decision would grow and grow and grow and they would end up having nightmares and it would like eat at their subconscious. Some people would be able to just say, you know, what? it had to be done and they just move on with it. Um, it, it but it depends, you know. I, I mean, I've, I've, it's tough because I've had some experience in this in the fact that my dad passed away of cancer. Mm-hmm. Watching him go through all of that was the literal worst thing I can think of. So you would see this as a form of um, mercy, mercy for him. In that Absolutely. Situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So that makes the decision a lot easier, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I get that. Stagger, did you have something? Yeah, sorry. I, uh, it's a little personal for me, so I kind of got distracted. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this touches on stuff. No, I apologize. It's, it's cool. It is what it is. It's good dialogue. Um, so in this hypothetical scenario, your father hasn't expressed whether they want to die or not. Yeah, they haven't. You haven't talked to them about it. I again, I had to watch my dad die from COPD, which is like a pretty long, hard, like thing. Like, and for a long time, he had expressed to me that he was like ready to go and he was okay. But about a month before he died, he actually told me that he's been ready for so long. But now that he's almost there, he realizes he wants to hang on a little bit longer. Hmm. And that, I don't know, that kind of popped into my head. But if, if, (sighs) yeah, if he hadn't expressed whether he would like, want to uh die or not then i don't think i would take that decision in my own hands regardless of like how it's going to benefit me yeah yeah makes sense it's tough it's uh, like these are tough decisions nighttime did you have any thoughts on this uh no final thoughts okay um let's see like the uh some of these deal with different kinds of things so for example this one has to do with wealth So it says your friend offers you an opportunity to make a great deal of money very quickly. He has arranged to set up an offshore account for your profits. He will not tell you exactly how he's making this money, but you get the impression it is not exactly legal. He only wants an investment of $500 and promises you will have enough for your minimal investment that you will never need to work again. Do you give him $500 deciding if you don't know he is making how he's making it? then you're in the clear. Do you demand to know the details before getting involved or do you decide that you want no part in the deal and just trust your instinct that the offer is shady and you might even get into legal trouble? Um, I would want to make an educated decision. So you would want the so details. I would ask. Okay. And what yeah. if, what if these, they're not willing to give you the details? Then probably I wouldn't do it, but probably because I, I don't know if they can't tell me what they're doing. 
I would rather know that it's something terrible because I mean, who knows? Maybe it's not that terrible. I don't know. Anyway, if it's- <laughs> how terrible is it? Let's just say it's arms dealing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I what what I was thinking was if they can't tell me what it is, how do I know that they're even trustworthy enough to actually take my money and like? Fair point. Do what they say they will, you know? Yeah. How do I know they actually have a plan? Or what if they say it's to keep you safe so you don't know? So you can plead ignorance. Like uh Strixus says. Deniability. Strixus says. Plausible deniability. Would you go with it? I mean that almost confirms yes, this is an illegal thing. Yeah. Without saying that it is. Stagger has some thoughts. Laney's Laney's mulling this over still. So, <laughs> uh, in this scenario, I'm me. Hmm? Yeah, I, I can't take the money unless he tells me what it is. And even if I knew it was like anything that was legal or unethical, I don't think I'd be able to take it. Not that I don't want to, but uh, it's like for my own personal, I, I don't know, like health, mental health, spiritual health. I, like I'm in an NA and like part of the program is like at least attempting to have like rigorous moral honesty and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like for me, uh, uh, um, something like that weighing on my conscience could lead to like a relapse or acting out in like ways that like would be seriously detrimental to my life that I've managed to put together. So I, I have to stay on the straight and narrow. I, uh, I agree with you a lot on this. And the older I get, the more I realize the psychological tax of your decisions and the things that you're doing and the things you spend your money on and the thing, the ways you interact with other people. Um, like this is something that I don't think we put enough weight on when we're younger because we feel kind of in, invulnerable. But as you get older, you start to realize that like something like this, even if you don't know what it is, the worry that you will eventually have to own up for whatever this is and that it's going to come back and haunt you could be enough to like that added level of stress over time is enough to just mess everything else up. And and the more you make these kinds of decisions, the more of those you have and the more they build up, because if you're if you're able to make one of those decisions, you're probably able to make lots of those decisions. And the more of those lottery tickets you pull, the more likely one of those is going to actually cash in at some point and you're going to have to pay up for it. That's a terrible analogy, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, I side with you on that. I think that that's like more likely than not to actually have a long term detriment, even if it makes it so that you can financially be OK in the future. I think that the long term worry is is not worth any amount of money. That's my that's my standpoint on it, but that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. That just that's just where I'm at with my life. I could probably do it if it was Bitcoin. That would be Bitcoin. untraceable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real money anyway, so what's the problem? It's not real money, but it has bought me real things. <laughs> it will, and it will very soon be real money. Like it's it's on its way. You know, like at some point it will be, <laughs> and it, and it's taxed like real money now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, I I would just give him the five hundred bucks and say, "Have fun. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, I'm out five hundred bucks." 
Yeah, well, I, I don't think the worry is that you're out 500 bucks. I think the worry uh, is that, like, you know, the FBI comes knocking at your door and all of a sudden you're implicated in some sort of, like, human trafficking or drug ring or something. Or worse, terrorists come to your house. Right. I know nothing about it. He just asked me to borrow yeah. 500 or, bucks. Or like, or like nighttime. I don't know what he did. Or like that. nighttime said, some terrorists come knocking at your door with AK-47s doing the knocking. And ah. it doesn't matter if you have plausible deniability. I don't know. I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> yeah these these are these are fun because like they make you think you know like what would i do and most of us are never going to be in these situations but we're going to be in emotionally similar situations potentially you guys have any other thoughts on any fallout stuff that kind of lines up with any of this or reminds you of anything in the games that you've had to do Go ahead, Lainey. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, some of the stuff that the Institute asks you to do is pretty, pretty dark and damaging, especially like uh, I think it was Warwick Homestead. You start talking to um, the, the head of the household there and it's like, oh, he's my contact. Oh, they took the original and replaced him with this one. And then you're talking to the family and the, the wife is like, yeah. I kind of think he's not really my husband because mm-hmm. he's way nicer than my actual husband. <laughs> right. But everything's everything's better now, so I don't really care. <laughs> and it's like you can't. And then, then the other the farmhands are convinced that he's a synth, and one of them goes to good neighbor to try to hire a contract killer. And then half, I think, at the end of the quest, you have to talk down the guy with the pistol and try to convince him the guy's totally not a synth, even though he's a completely different acting human being. And uh, then the guy sits there and cries for like two days over outside the fence line. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's dark. I mean, they, they've replaced a human being with some with another person, but everybody doesn't really seem to have a problem with the new guy that's got the same face. Yeah. And then the, I guess the other question is like, what else could you do about it? You know, like do you I tell them, do you yeah. tell them that like, Hey, no, that's not him. That's a synth from the Institute. But right. like the thing is, what if uh, the Institute decides to terminate the project? Right. And even and if that, it is like, wh- <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Are you going to kill the synth? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, if the Institute decides to terminate the project, usually it means that they pull out the asset and then they kill everybody there at the place. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, but you may not know that like in that situation. True. Um, so like your decision in that situation, not knowing that that's, that's a thing that could happen is you get rid of the synth. But then if the wife doesn't want you to get rid of the synth, is that your like, where's it's the boundary? My there? Decision make. Yeah, right. Is it your how- decision? Make. now yeah. they're out the head of the household right and nobody's running the farm right right and like, all the contacts the trading contacts that the guy has to trade throughout the commonwealth there's no way that they can make money anymore and then they become look they have to go find a new place to live which right. is pretty dangerous in the commonwealth yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah it's it's a dangerous world out there like it's interesting the the circumstances and how the circumstances change uh, the scale of what we find tolerable when it comes to moral decisions. The more desperate we are, the more likely we are to justify things. Um, the more secure we are, the more okay we are with with not justifying things and kind of towing the more what we would consider the more moral line, right? Um, and what's uh, I don't know. There's just there's just uh, this stuff is always interesting to me because like well, 
deep down, we all want to think of ourselves as like morally good people, but put in like, certain situations, we all make different decisions. I don't think we talked about this, but it's like, you know, what the United States government did in the fallout universe is they put a bunch of people in vaults. They knew some of these vaults would end up killing all the inhabitants, but they just needed a select few in order to pull genetic, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, people, they could pull the people out for either experimentation or pull them out when they needed them. But the United States government made the logical decision to start a thermonuclear war and completely stop or suspend the development of humanity because they were so desperate to change the power balance, the balance of power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole, I mean, all of this stuff, can be related to like the ends just justifying the means that kind of thing you know another theory for the vaults was that the enclave was involved and they were actually trying to test out all the different circumstances that may come about in trying to travel to another planet to settle another star system or something like that right so the yeah. idea would be you put a bunch of people in vaults that replicate the idea of being separated from everyone else and then you throw them into a situation that could happen you know, over generations traveling across the stars in order to figure out like what things do we need to look out for and how do we solve those problems before we actually send people out into the stars. And when you say it like that and you go, this is an order, like this is a group who genuinely believes that the end of the world is upon them and they need to do something very desperate in order to make sure that humanity survives, then do the ends justify the means? What about the Obviously, thousands of people uh, in, in vaults? Yeah. Like, is it is like, yeah, their their lives were were sucky. But if that means that they did that so that human beings would survive, was it worth ultimately. it? Even if ultimately, if they even if they didn't get to make that choice for themselves, like I think that's Still. probably the big moral dilemma of you know the Fallout story is really the the question of the vaults. Like, yeah. are the vaults justified in the end? We like to say Vault Tech is an evil company. The Enclave is evil. But if it means the survival of humanity at all, is it truly evil? Stagger? I like, uh, it's interesting, like, when you talk about the government and the Fallout universe or, like, the country of the United States and the Fallout universe, because, like, I have, like, a passing interest in, like, geopolitics. And, like, you get when, when you're talking about, like, entities or countries as entities or countries as organizations or like things on that scale, you can apply the same uh, morals and ethics that you apply to the individual. Like it ties back into that micro and macro thing. Like yeah. you can't apply the same kind of morality to a country whose interest is survival and self-preservation because it's not a person. It's an entire country. Right. Like a similar question would be um, a developing country. You go back, let's say 50 years. China was a developing country today. China is uh, developed <laughs> like they, they are manufacturing lots of things. They are technologically advanced. They have a very large military. They are they are, you know, a, a force on the world stage. Um, they are the second largest ec economy in the world right after the United States. What they did was they sacrificed um, the quality of the nature around them. They polluted a lot. They sacrificed the well-being of their own citizens and they made a lot of these very hard and what would be considered generally unethical decisions 
but they raised the status of their their country and their people in the world. And now they're starting to pull back on those things. They're starting to implement more, you know, procedures to reduce pollution, to increase the well-being of their population. And I'm not saying that, like, I don't want people writing me saying, oh, Tom's a communist now. Like, I'm not saying that this justifies it, but I'm saying what I am saying is if this means that multiple, multiple generations of Chinese citizens can live better, more fortunate, more safe and secure lives. Was it justified? Stagger? It's that, that's something that always kind of interested me. I mean, like to achieve the level of technology and like uh, quality of life we have in the United States, we had our own industrial revolution. The United States yeah. stepped on a ton of people, violated tons of rights, polluted the uh, frick out of the environment. And had slaves. And had slaves. Yeah. And now we want to take these developing countries that are trying to achieve their own like high quality of life and level of technology and go, no, no, that's pollution. It's bad. Uh, yep. but, like it's <laughs> everybody who's on top in the world stage at some point broke the ethical codes and stepped on other people. The Romans had slaves. The, um, the, the colonial empires of Europe colonized and took over lands from indigenous people across the globe. The United States did the same thing across across North America. All of those groups polluted and polluted until they were at the top of their economies. Um, all of this stuff has happened that way. Doesn't mean it's okay. Not no, but it, you know, it happened. Like and and it creates. And you're right. Like from an individual standpoint, no, those are terrible decisions. You shouldn't do that. From a country standpoint, did it help the well-being of your society in the long run? Yeah. It, yes. <laughs> But did it also hurt the well-being of your society in the long the run? Slavery one, though. But that's but that but that's that's what's. But you're, you're right. You're right. I was going to go there. Like for for example, there are still drawbacks from that. Like we as the United States are still dealing with the fallout from slavery, and we're how many generations past the you know the free rights, you know the ab- abolition of slavery at this point. We as a world are still dealing with issues of pollution, and we're not quite past that by any means. You know, um, so is it worth it in the long run? Did it actually equal the well-being of all the generations that come after? Or did it only equal the well-being of a generation or two that came after? I, I don't I don't think the, the stuff that, you know, even our country, America, has done has ever been justifiable. And even the stuff that China's doing now is absolutely unjustifiable. I don't care how things are in 100 years from now. I don't think the human rights violations and what they're doing is justifiable in any aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And, at all. and, and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a fair thing to say as we say that from our air conditioned houses with uh, internet technology and you know, the comfort of our homes, right? Like it's, we're in a place of privilege to, to look back on that and say, no, this is bad. We should never have done this, but we're still in a place of privilege, right? It's it's ironic. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're definitely right. Right. Yeah. Stagger. So, yeah, I was going to basically say the same thing you said. Like, it's really easy to sit in your uh, nice house in like the suburbs somewhere near air conditioning, like with your fridge full of food and tell some yeah. guy. Internet and TV like, and lives, all the things that, that lives off of like 
50 grams of rice and some kale a day and like works in a sand mine or some shit who also wants a car and a house and like a job that can support his family where he doesn't have to work 70 hours a week. And like, it's easy to sit here and go like, Oh no, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong. Because like, we have the ability, like, like I talked about with my fallout one character, he has the ability to consider these like moral and ethical implications because he grew up in a vault and had access to education and didn't have to like fight to survive or like do any subsistence living. So again, like there's, I don't think there's like really ever going to be a right or wrong answer. It is interesting stuff to debate. I can't condone civil rights violations as an individual, but I also can't apply, uh, individual morals and ethics to geopolitics. Yeah, it's tough. All of these are very tough decisions. Like I can, can, I could say all of those decisions were bad. All of these things are bad historically, but at the same time, yeah, I'm glad I have an air conditioned house. I'm glad I can go out to, I I make enough money to go out to eat if I'm, if I'm hungry, you know, I'm glad that I can afford a car. Yeah. Have Coca-Cola to drink, (laughs) you know, like whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm glad I have the internet and the TV. And when I get done with my, with my job at the end of the day, I can relax instead of working 12 to 16 hours, you know, but much of the world can't do that. And that's, what's wonderful about the fallout. Let's bring this back around to fallout is that everybody in fallout is in a sucky situation. So does that justify doing sucky things to make their world a little bit better for themselves? It's like uh, fallout new Vegas when it comes to like free side. Like if it wasn't for the NCR going there for like the past, you know, 40 some years that all this has been happening is what we find out from the end credits is that Freeside isn't really much better if New Vegas becomes an independent power. Mm. It becomes a lot better, uh, a safer place if when the NCR takes over. When the NCR uh, decides to make it um, one of the states of the new California Republic, there's an increase in, in uh, access to med- medical tra- services. Food becomes more available. Um, everybody gets a little bit richer because there's a little bit more of an economy as compared to, well, of course, the Legion in which, you know, <laughs> uh, people become the capital. Yeah. Um, slaves and, then, and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, house house says he wants to do these things, but, House is very dependent upon the NCR and the NCR only. So is it better that you have a a beneficial or not a beneficial, but a benevolent dictator who lords over you and rules the way he wants to rule much like a king? Mm -hmm. Or do you allow somewhat of an egalitarian society in which you have senators and congressmen and you have the right to vote and you can somewhat decide your fate as a city state. And even today, even today, there are people, and I can only speak as an American, there are Americans who would rather have a King. And you can tell by the decisions they make, whether they admit it to themselves or not, (laughs) that they would rather have a King who can just say, I will take care of all of this for you. You don't have to worry. And like, and that's horrifying, right? But at the same time, at the same time, our senators and our politicians are easily corruptible, you know, and the system is so complex that it's really hard to fix. You know, like there's no, that's what's so crazy about all this stuff is that there's just no easy solution. And it's always hard to see the ramifications of our actions. 
So everyone's just, much. Yeah, everyone's just nodding. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everything I, I sucks. Just, I just both <laughs> send all the billionaires to space and don't let them come back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you, go. <laughs> you guys go colonize <laughs> some other planet. That's go for my it. answer. We don't need any more Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that as well. Um, <laughs> uh, Doctor Evil. Let's but but let's do it in a way where we foster competition. You know that would be that would be awesome because I would love a, a real competitor to Amazon. We just don't oh have one. Gosh. We don't have yeah. one, right? I want I want real competition. I want real competitions to the ISP that many of us have only one or two choices of for our internet. I want real competition for that. You know? Well, I could I could either have Spectrum, which is Charter, or or I could have Dial Up. Right. That's not really an it's, option. It's, it's That's not really choice. not choices. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, we should have choices, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. people get upset about this stuff. Like, well, you know, uh, we should tax the rich, and we like, well, yeah, but we should have a system that doesn't, um, like, by default, create these situations where, like, we have the ultra rich. You know, like, there should be more competition. It should be more difficult to to for any one person to become that powerful. Um, and that yeah, can only be had- mandated by government. Yeah, we should have had more than just vault pack building those vaults. We should exactly. have more companies. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Because then you would have the 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 choice of which one to go with. <laughs> you don't have to just trust vault tech because we know how that worked out. Anyway, this is this has been a great conversation, guys. We're kind of hitting the end here. Um we've kind of gone a few different places and I'm sure I'm going to get some letters about like, Oh, this show is too political. But you know what? Fallout's political. So deal well, with we it. were talking about Fallout New Vegas. So right. Right. Yes. Um, but here, let's go back through everybody and please feel free to share any of the last thoughts, ways that people can get a hold of you. Anything else you want to share? Um, nighttime. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to have joined also. Uh, if you want to reach me, uh, hit up the discord. Um, I'm always for sharing the memes, especially fallout memes. Um, other than that, uh, I guess no final message. Um, maybe other than, uh, stuff's real hard, you know, you just got to think about it a little longer. Um, but it's always fallout will surprise you with these unintended consequences of your decisions. And, uh, you got to think a little bit further into future than, man, that's a bad guy. I should probably just shoot him. <laughs> right right yeah there's um, always a little bit more going on yeah it's uh the games are good uh the games are good they're they're made by really great people and they they show a lot of the the human struggle and i think that's a part of the reason why i really like them yeah well said hey stagger thanks for joining us again <laughs> or at least on a different show again <laughs> you got any like last uh you're dealing with your mute button yeah, I don't know why my spacebar wasn't unmuting for me, but uh, you know, this has been awesome. Like, might have got like a little bit off of the Fallout topic, but I love discussing stuff like this. I spend lots of time like positing moral scenarios to myself and like thinking about them. Um, yeah, if anybody wants to hit me up, um, I'm on Discord at Stagger underscore and underscore Stumble. So yeah, that, that's about it. I don't really do social media or anything. This has been cool. Thanks, guys. Oh man, thanks. Yeah, I, I, most of our audience is into this kind of stuff, so I figure it'd be worth you know throwing that stuff out there. Um, it's Fallout. Yeah, it's, I mean Fallout's just full chock full of this stuff. So why not why not go to some of the little you know bits and pieces that we can pull from more traditional moral dilemmas? And then uh, Katamari, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, 
I definitely, I really enjoyed talking about the moral dilemmas and, and the decisions that we make, even though it took us way out of the realm of fallout. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> well, good. good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I can, uh, I, I can genuinely, generally just be reached at, uh, on discord. Um, um, I made my name kind of complicated because it's uh, Clara and then Katamari Junkie in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that'll work. That'll work. You can you, you can search by Katamari and it'll it'll come up. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. And Lainey, thanks for joining again. Yeah, I love listening to like what all you guys think. It's fun. Lots to think about. I'm always, you know, I get off of these and then I'm like, ha, <laughs> you know, and I think of more things, right? I'm going to be laying in bed tonight thinking of a hundred different moral dilemmas from fallout that I couldn't think of right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah and some these. of them are going to be like the examples that we came up with just like falloutized. Yeah. 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 So this is great. Um, and of course you can reach me on discord at Neos Pandora, or if you, I think if you just search Laney, you can find me in the robots radio discord. Um, you can also find me on my Discord, haha, which is Neos Pandora, um, and on Twitch and Twitter and wherever else people are. <laughs> wherever else people are. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for joining me again, patrons. And um, we'll be back next week. I think we're going to do Tuesday nights now. Right, Lainey? Tuesday nights from now on. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern are going to be the new time for the regular live show. None of these like, oh, let's just figure it out sometime later in the week things because because our schedules were all mixed up. But we'll be back Tuesday night next week and we'd love to have you come join us. Uh, we would love to have a good 30 people in chat chiming in with your thoughts on, on the topic every week. Um, that's one of my most favorite things is seeing all the all the live conversation that happens so um if you can come join us at twitch.tv slash robots radio that would be amazing we'd love to see you all right everyone have a good rest of your night and we'll see you next week until next time stay safe see you later to plug into everything else we're doing check out robotsradio.net also look up the robots radio youtube for videos about fallout and other things and check us out on twitter twitter.com slash robots radio You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.